Welcome to Touch the Line Podcast. Today, we're set up in a whole different... We're actually in our salon um, set up. Obviously, you can't see us, but I have a special guest today, Miss Haley Stafford. Haley, welcome to Touch the Line Podcast. Hey, thank you. Now, how many podcasts have you been on? None. None? Yeah, come on. You're professional now. You're on a podcast. I got this. (laughs) You got this. So, Haley's been with our company for four years, and Haley has had a heck of a uh, year, year and a half. How long? A year? I mean, year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was like, Haley, um, your story, I think, would connect with a lot of people. Would you... Could you be transparent and vulnerable and come on our podcast? And she was like, absolutely. Like, didn't even like, she was like, yeah, let's do it. So, Haley, when you came to us, you were a new mom when you first came to us of one child. Yep. And we were just chatting before, like, literally, we were chatting and I was like, "Uh, we need to hit record. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, when you went to cosmetology school, how old was your son? Xander was six months old. Six months old going through cosmetology. And newly married. Newly married. So give us a backstory on Haley. (laughs) How did you get to uh, cosmetology school? Like, how'd you get in this industry? What was Haley like 10 years ago? Like, give us a snapshot. Um, 10 years ago is a completely different version of myself. Um, But I started, I've always enjoyed hair and cosmetology related things. It wasn't until Xander that I realized that I was in the wrong career and that I really wanted to pass something down to my future children. And so Cody and I started discussing and my mom, and my mom was like, you know, you can either A, at that time I was at Papa John's. She said, you can either A, make pieces for the rest of your life or B, go and do something more. And I chose something more. So my mom and dad paid for cosmetology school with the rule that they get to keep Xander. So at six months um, old with Zan, I started cosmetology school and graduated in a year and a half. Nice. Yeah, that's a good deal. I would I mean, my, sold. If, yeah, my parents kept our kids. I'd be like, I'll go to cosmetology school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how did you how did you find Silver Salon? I don't even know if I know this answer. <laughs> so um I actually, you know, we laugh and say I'm a five. So I internet searched a lot of different places. And then um, when I was out, I mean, coffee shops, Starbucks up the road, I would ask people whose hair looked pretty where they got their hair done. And I had a couple of people tell me Silver Salon. It was on my list. And then I started following your social media accounts, my normal stocking tendencies, and fell in love with what I saw and then applied for the associate position. Awesome. Well, um, Yes, so you stalked us. Uh, heads up, if you apply at Silver Salon, we stalk you on social media. It's the <laughs> first thing we go to. Um, so I think I, it's great that you did research because a lot of times we have people that apply in our company and they they don't they don't do any research. And I'm like, how how do you not know anything about our company? Let's go ahead and jump in. The past year, you had another child. So welcome to the Two Kid Club. I know it's a wild <laughs> ride. How old is your youngest now? Um, Aurora will turn two at the end of May. Two? I know. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, I thought she was much younger than that. I know. That's crazy. So, tell us, uh, was it about a year ago? Yeah. So, really and truly, it's… So, my depression symptoms started kicking in when I was pregnant with Aurora. 
Um, so you know the history with that. I had a miscarriage and then immediately got pregnant with Aurora. Um, and I did not process that the way I needed to. So like, I don't deal with emotions. I bury them deep, deep down inside. And then I snap like a twig. And I was not processing any of that. And then you obviously have this influx of hormones. So I started having a lot of depression symptoms when I was about seven months pregnant with her. And then after I had her, I just went downhill really, really quickly. I was obviously exhausted. She did not sleep. She had a lot of different issues going on. And then I was not processing grief. I wasn't processing new parenthood. And then on top of that, I was still trying to be everything. I was trying to be the best mom to Zan, the best mom to Rory, the best employee. Just I needed to be everything and think that I had to control and do everything myself or it wasn't going to be done correctly. And by doing that, I put myself not even on a burner. Like I just completely threw myself in the trash and didn't take care of my mental health. Emotionally, physically, like everything was just not okay. Um, And then I got really, really, really bad and realized that things had to change. Now, you said you keep everything inside. So did anyone else around you know that you were, you know, you were going through a tough time? Not to the extent, not fully. People asked me if I was okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Just exhausted. Like I just blamed it on Rory not sleeping. But I never once really said, I'm not okay. Like mentally, I'm not okay. It wasn't until like I hit my rock bottom and Aaron actually like sat down and was like, I mean, eye to eye and was like, are you okay? And in that moment, like I knew, like she knew something wasn't right. And obviously like my husband, my husband walked through that whole journey with me, but he also, I mean, it's my spouse. Like he sees all the different shades. Right. Um, and my mom suspected, but again, not to the extent. Yeah, I remember one thing, one time in the salon, I think I was in a one-on-one and I came out and one of our leaders in the salon's like, hey, we sent Haley home. Oh yeah, I was sobbing on the floor. Yeah. And what I loved about that situation was our leaders took action. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, hey, let's go run this by Evan. Let, like they saw you were in need of something and like you needed to get out from here and go do whatever that is. Like, I don't know what the situation was. Um, do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. So Aurora was not sleeping, I think at that point for, I mean, I think she was taking like 30 minute napping sessions at night, honestly. So I probably had slept maybe 30 minutes and then I was working 12 hour shifts. So I was actually exhausted. And then I just had a a lot of dark thoughts going through my mind. Jordan looked at me and was like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. And I started sobbing and I was like, I'm just exhausted. I'm just exhausted. At that point, I was I was sobbing on the floor. And she was like, you need to go home. Like, you need to go home and take a nap. And so I slept in my car and then called my mom, who's, you know, the fixer of all things. And so I took a nap and then got some coffee and then went back to be a mom. What was your mindset when you were going through depression, like coming to work, like what were, like take me inside of your brain. Like were you focused on work or were you focused on like personal things or were you? So I wasn't focused on anything except honestly living in that moment. 
I mean, I would get up in the morning and like my day would start. But I felt really, really numb to everything. So I was on antidepressants during that time. They actually, my doctor actually had me on like three different kind of medications. But I just felt really numb. So honestly, like I was not my best self at all. And I definitely was not focused on giving a great guest experience. I was more so just, I'm just going to come in here so that I can escape being a mom. But at the same time, I didn't feel any joy in my career. And I didn't feel like I was loving what I was doing. Just because honestly, depression had just numbed every part of me. There was a point that you're like, okay, I need to get help. I need to see someone. So that was like your first step was kind of like admitting like, okay, like I I can't do this alone. I need to talk to someone, get some help, correct? Yes. A lot of people, I know it's like the, especially in the, as a, a male, we, I won't say we, because I don't, but most males see therapists as a sign of weakness, and actually, I see it as a sign of strength of being like, you know what? I've got, like, if you got a broke leg, you go to the doctor. You're not mm-hmm. like, well, I'm tough enough. I, I mean, I'm sure there's some people out there. <laughs> With you, was it something like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go see a therapist, like a sign of weakness? Or were you kind of like excited to be like, excited is probably not the word, but like you're looking forward to actually talking to someone and open up. I don't know if you opened up in that first session or not. Walk us through that. Yeah. So I was not excited. And like I said, I don't like to deal with my emotions. And so talking about how I feel and then taking someone, I mean, my husband at that moment was the only one that knew what I was thinking. And so for me to allow somebody who I did not know to get to know me in a very sensitive and dark and sad time in my life, I was not excited about, but I knew that I had to put my feelings aside and my being scared. Like I just, I grew up in a home that was kind of like suck it up and get over it. And honestly, that's kind of what I had to do was just suck it up and go get the help that I needed. Because like you said, like if you have a broken arm, you go to the doctor. You don't just suck it up. Like you go get the help you need. And it's the same thing. Like my mind was broken and I needed to go get it fixed. And the only person that could fix it was a therapist. So I did Now, that. yeah. And, and I know with therapists, like it's not like one session. It's like... Yeah. No. <laughs> yes. What were some things that in your sessions that some things that stuck out to you that you kind of use to this day? Yeah. So... Therapy, like a lot of people kind of think that it is like what you see on TV with this big fluffy couch that you lay down on and it's not that. So they really, I've seen two different therapists and both times like my first session with them, it's been a very welcoming, how do you like your coffee? Do you want something to eat? Like a friendship kind of moment. Um, But something that has stuck with me and that I, in my season right now and really holding on to is what my therapist calls the life plate. And so basically, you think about Thanksgiving dinner, you go in, you pick up a plate, and you just load all of your favorite foods on it. And then eventually, food starts falling off. You're like, okay, I have enough. Well, we tend to live our life that way, where we pick a plate up, and then we just shove everything on it. And what happens, happens. And she taught me, you know, you can start with a very small plate and then only put your priorities. So like, my religious life is on my plate and then my marriage, obviously, and my kids and my job. 
And then I started adding in joys that makes me happy. So I started adding books. I love to read. Why wasn't I reading during my depression? Like something that brought me joy. Right. And so I started adding that onto my plate. And then I started doing more and more and started saying yes to things. And her whole point of the plate is that you should never put more than you can handle on it. And then once you, like you take about three months to kind of manage the plate that you have, and then you can move up to a larger plate and add more responsibilities like the podcast or um, taking on more roles in the company or more joys. And so it's just making sure that like your life is balanced and you're not becoming overwhelmed or having to do and complete everything. There was things during that season that you said no to that you said yes to later, right? Yes. So it's it's like you can start out with a smaller plate and just keep adding to it to kind of see where things start falling exactly. off. I guess. And, yes. and 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 I haven't really I've talked to a few people about this, but this past December I kind of got to because I've always been life of the party, like roll with it, kind of like grew up in the household, like suck it up, you just go. In December, I got to a point where Aaron and I were meeting about the company and I just have this like, I don't give a crap mentality. Like, I don't give a crap about this situation. Not like, and I was just like, oh, I've never felt this before. And so I started Googling like burnout and things like that. And it was, I didn't have all of the, but a lot of the things that came up, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm experiencing this. And I went hard in quarter four with traveling and I make it a priority to be in the salon. And then with uh, uh, kids' sports and your weekends, I'm like, what do we do before kids? Like, <laughs> like weekends is like dedicated to kids' sports. And I, and I just told Aaron, I was like, I just need to take a couple of days and go do what I, I want. Like golfing and fishing or that to me where I'm not thinking about anything else other than those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, they bring me joy and, you know, like I'll leave the salon at four o'clock to go pick up the kids and I don't feel guilty at all. I'm yeah. like, you know what? Like I'm gonna go pick up the kids because like what you're saying, that's what's gonna matter in 20 years. We would love, Haley, if you're here in 20 years at Silver Salon, but those kids are definitely, and your husband's definitely gonna be in your yeah. life in 20 years. So like put them as a priority. And I love that analogy. I love the the plate analogy because it resonates with so many people. And I guarantee you there's somebody driving down the road or working out or walking um, right now and they're going, I've got too much stuff on my plate. And what were some of the things that you started like scraping off your plate? So where I was in my life at the point when she introduced this to me, I scraped pretty much everything off except my main priorities. And then, so like my husband, my like kids, that kind of thing. I stopped any and all education um, because it wasn't bringing me joy at that point. I stepped back from like meeting up with some of my friends because setting up childcare and stuff like that brought me more stress than actually going and hanging out with some of my friends. And then once I managed that, then that's when I started like, okay, let's go out for coffee. Let's go do this. The first thing I added back was education. Well, I, I, I'm sure some salon owners right now are yelling uh, or wrecking their car. Like, <laughs> you have a staff member that stopped doing education? Yes. As a company, you've got to care more about who your your employees are becoming than what they're doing. And we knew that, like, if we could get Haley, not we, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if Haley can get healthy— she could take over the world. And that was the first priority. And 
now you're you're probably on the other end of education. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, extra. <laughs> yeah, I see you in the back and like if there's any downtime, like you're watching videos on education and you're in a great mindset. So you mm-hmm. can have someone in an unhealthy mindset, you can force them into education and you're not going to get anything out of it. No. Or what if as leaders we stopped, paused and was like, "How can we get this person? How can we get them to a more healthier place?" Yeah, they might not have education for the next few months, but what if, you know, we could get them healthy and then they'll be on fire? That just came to me. I didn't even have, I didn't even plan on saying that. (laughs) But real, I mean, it's a lot easier to be like, hey, show up to education. But in our company, and a lot of people disagree with this, education is not required. Um, Now we do, like, if, let's take you for instance, Haley, if like we had education, you haven't shown up to any education in three months, we're going to have a conversation be like, hey, how are you doing? A, do we have the right education? B, are, do you see it as valuable? Where are you at? We want people to come to education and come prepared and come wanting to be a part of education instead of like, no, it's mandatory. You need to be there. I know a lot of people disagree with that. I'm not saying, you know, go change your whole format, but uh, I'd rather have three people in the room that's hungry for education than 30 and no one's hungry for education. Let's go back to the staff retreat. At our staff retreat last, I believe it was in May. It um, was. And you announced something to our staff. You announced what? Um, That I survived depression. Survived. That's an interesting word. And it's, you're getting teary-eyed. Don't get teary-eyed on me. I'm proud. Yeah, it it was a beautiful thing. And everybody in the room New, like I wouldn't say new, but they, I mean, we saw a different Haley. We saw yeah. a Haley, like you come through the doors now, uh, you look like you're moving in. You got like three drinks, you got a purse, you've got a backpack, um, but you're smiling. You're always greeting everyone. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like Haley is on uh, level 10 now. Now I know your life's not unicorns and rainbows all the time, but like you, you have a joy. What, how's your mindset changed coming through that back door and coming into work? versus what it was beforehand. Now, I know that I can't control everything. And my job, like it's hard to leave any issues or problems at the door. But the way I look at it is, you know, thinking about the life plate, I also have napkins. And I can sit any stressors that I have on those napkins and I can pick that up when I'm done with my job. But when I come through those doors, I know that for the next 12 hours, the only people that matter right now for me is my coworkers and my guests. And I know that within these, this time and then this space of the salon that I want to make people feel not only beautiful, but listened to and heard and feel like they matter and that they can take up space in this world. And you get many, many reviews of how people, how you have impacted them, not just through a great cut and color, which is great, um, but like you you do what you just said, you listen to them. And when you listen to people, people feel valued. And that's why people keep coming back is because anyone can go get a great cut and color, but like go into a place of business and they feel valued and they feel heard and cared for, it's, it's a game changer. I'm gonna ask a hard question. And I sent these questions to you before. As you were going through depression, what did we do as a company 
that we could have done better for you? I thought really long and hard about this. And that there's only really one thing and that is verbiage. Obviously, I'm a mom and my kids are my world. But when you're talking to someone with depression, you have to keep in mind that they are not themselves. I'm not the Haley that you guys hired in that moment. So a lot of verbiage could have been a little bit better in the sense of you need to get better for yourself so that you can be your best version and not so much kids. Depression has a way at eating any type of rational mindset. So rational Haley was like, yeah, I need to be a better mom. But irrational Haley was like, I'll never be a great mom. And so when I had someone, I'm going to pick on you, Evan, not that you said that. So when you would say like, you need to, like, you need to get better so that you can be a better mom, the irrational side of my brain would kick in and be like, well, you're never going to be a great mom because you're never going to get better. But if you would have said, hey, you need to get better so that you can be the best version of yourself so that you can be happy and joyful and belong in this world, just a switch change of verbiage and follow up. Like I had a lot of people that would be like, are you okay? Are you okay? And sometimes it sounded like, and I'm bad, like guilty to do this. Like it's just a general, like, good morning. How are you doing? That kind of thing. Making sure that you're, you're actually speaking to them and truly wanting to know how are you doing today? And that that's really, really great feedback. And I'll be honest. I don't know if, I don't think I knew the extent of what you were going through. I was like, okay, she's going through a tough time. So that was something that I learned as a leader of like, okay, maybe this is something we need to sit down and be like, hey, let's walk. Let Maybe we meet five minutes each week and we just touch base yeah. and being like, hey, how are you doing? Uh, is there anything we can do to serve you? The verbiage is really, really great because um, if you're the best version of you, the trickle-down effect is you become a great wife, you become a great mom, you become a great employee, you become a great server, you know? So um, that's that's really great verbiage. Thank you for that. Yeah. And what were some things that we did as a company that served you well during that time? One thing that I loved is that during PDMs, I didn't feel like I was going to be attacked for goals. So never once did I feel like I was going to go in there and tell you guys that I was a two and y'all were going to judge me at the fact that I didn't hit any of my numbers. You guys always coached me where I was at. And so during that season, I don't even remember us talking really about numbers. If we did, it was the last 30 seconds of like, hey, here it is. We'll try next month. And you're a numbers person. I am. And if you're new to the podcast, uh, she when she referenced being a two in our PDMs, our one-on-ones, we do one to 10 scale. So 10 being like, you, you it's it's a great day. Like the sun's out, you're feeling great. But if you're at a two, if someone, I in my mind, if someone is a six or below, I close my computer. Because at that point, I don't care about your goals. I don't care about your numbers. I don't care about any of that. I'm like, okay, obviously like, <laughs> I mean, if you came in at a two, and I'm sitting there talking about your service numbers and your goals. You're going, I don't give a crap about that. Yeah, I'm not listening to anything. <laughs> and so I might feel good at the end of it. Be like, okay, well, I did what I was supposed to. But I try to physically close the computer to acknowledge to you, I don't care anything about your numbers. I'm glad that that resonated with you, that you could come in and be an open book and be transparent. And hopefully you didn't feel like you're going to be judged or, no, never. or like, oh my gosh, am I going to lose my job or anything like that? 
I guarantee you if you're a salon owner or if you're a leader, business leader, listen to this, more than likely they're probably someone in your company that's going through it. If they're not going through it, they're about to go. Like I would say it's a cycle. So this is uh, very common. Haley, thank you to you for actually being outspoken about it. Now you pro- you weren't at first, no. but <laughs> once you said, you know, once it snapped, you were like, okay, like uh, I'm an open book at this point. I love to see how on this side of things, you are serving people and you're helping people. And that's why you came on um, this podcast. What does success look like to you? Inside or just in life? Like inside the salon or in life? Let's do both. Let's do inside the salon first. So inside the salon is being the most, having the most impact within the time that I am here. What the details that I look for in that is that my, again, my coworkers and my guests feel heard and loved on and that they can take up space in this world. It's also to pass on something to younger stylists, whether that be mental health and making sure that they get the help that they need and realize like you can say, I'm struggling and that's okay. Um, Or education. And then in life, it is for my kids and my husband to also feel that they are heard and that they are loved and that they can take up space. It is also for my children when they are adults and in my life plan, I'm thinking, you know, actually 18 because I'm going to hold on to them as long as I can, (laughs) is for them to be able to be successful and have their own skills, whether that be job-like skills or more education. Um, And then also knowing that they have a place in this world to be able to have a voice and speak their minds. I love that. You were mentioning, I was writing down notes like unhealthy versus healthy. And I've touched based on it. When people are unhealthy, you know that. Like, I'm not talking to you. Hey, I'm talking to the person that's listening. We know that. We know when people are unhealthy. They think unhealthy. They say unhealthy things. Mm -hmm. Um, And to, to see someone with you, Haley, I got to see like both sides of that pretty quick. I mean, like within like a six month range, I felt like you went from unhealthy to super healthy and to see you healthy and see how you encourage people and love on people. You are just a ray of sunshine uh, when you come in and when you are here, you're here to encourage and like you're, you're out on the floor helping people. You're like cleaning, like you just get after it. And that's probably the Enneagram five in you. So Haley and I are, uh, we'll send posts back at each other mm-hmm. on the Instagram on she's an Enneagram five. I'm a seven. If you don't know what that is, you need to, st- we're not going to teach it on here, <laughs> but you need to, uh, I got a podcast about it. So just search for it. Haley, last question. Yeah. What advice do you have for salon owners well, well, this two-part question. What do you have for salon owners that maybe are leading through staff that might be where you were? If you know that one of your staff members is going through a hard time, just love on them. I mean, really, that is my biggest thing is love on them. Let them know that you care and that you are there for them. Take some things off their plate. Like say, hey, what are you doing Thursday night? Okay, great. I'm going to send you guys dinner. And don't, like if you're dropping off dinner, don't knock on the door and like want to come inside. Just drop it off. Send them a text message. Food is on your porch and leave. Let them, I mean, that lets them know that like 
you're there and you love them and then you're there to support them, but also they don't have to socialize and hang out. And then also make sure that when you're checking on them, you're being very authentic in your questions. Um, So stopping, like not washing dishes or anything else, just stare at them and say, are you okay? Or how can I help you? Like, what do you need me to do? Yes. And I will add on to that as a leader, don't, don't have the mindset if I get help, like let's use Haley, for example, I need to get Haley healthy so she can benefit the company. You need to make sure that you are getting your coworker healthy for them to be the best version of themselves, not so it can serve you or the company. That's just a result of getting that Mm -hmm. person healthy. Because if we can get Haley a a healthy mom and a healthy wife, do you think she's going to come in as a healthy person? Absolutely. Is she going to be coming in with a spirit of like, let's crush the day? Absolutely. Last question, Haley, what advice do you have for stylists or salon owners or anybody who's listening to this that may, they may be thinking, oh my gosh, I might be where Haley was. You know, if you're going through depression, you know, be very, and I say that because you need to be very truthful with yourself and you need to get the help that you need because you deserve to be here and you deserve to take up space in this world and your voice to be heard. And so whether that means going to your doctor and getting the medication that you need to help you or going to talk to someone, you need to do it. And you need to put your ego and your fears aside because you deserve to be here. Haley, thanks so much for being on Touch the Line. You, this podcast, your voice is going to impact people. And I'm not going to get emotional because you'll get emotional and we'll both be emotional. But I was just sitting here thinking, Zan and Rory going to grow up and they're going to listen to this podcast. And <laughs> they're going to know their mom made it. I might, I might cut this. <laughs> and I can just see them being like, thank you. This is I, the first, wrote, I think this is the first time I've ever got emotional on the podcast. <laughs> well, I wrote them letters during that time. And so I know one day my kids are going to open it and they're going to know that no matter what mom tried and they're going to know that whatever they go through in life, that they can do it. Because that's my whole point is I want them to feel empowered to be here and whatever ever life throws at them, they can make it through. Because even in my my darkest, darkest moment, I made it. They can make it. And I mean, when I say darkest, I mean dark moment. Yeah. You just keep fighting. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful story and it's still being written. So thank you for being brave and being transparent and vulnerable. If you would like to get in contact with Haley, if you're just like, oh my gosh, I need to, I need to connect with her. You can just reach out to me on Instagram and I will connect you with her. You can reach out to me on Instagram at evansilver.co. That's evansilver.co. Or you can email me at evan at evansilver.co. Haley, again, what a podcast. What an episode. Uh, We appreciate you. Thank you.